sports. They say numbers never lie, but odds are they do. Sam Steinmeier, Brady Archer, and host Andrew Botlinick are about to go against the grain this week as we make our day-to-day picks. All views and opinions expressed in today's show do not reflect KZLX or Northwest Missouri State University. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Everybody get Welcome into Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick, Sam Steinmeier here with you on a beautiful Thursday afternoon here in Maryville, Missouri. KZLX LP Maryville. And Sam, it's the last hurrah for me. You'll be back next year, though, to hopefully carry on the tradition of Day-to-Day Picks, but it is my last dance, if you will, and a very timely one with all the stuff going on with Michael Jordan and his his show that's going on on, on ESPN every Sunday night. The Last Dance. There's a lot of people that do their farewell tours. We just saw, I think, Dwayne Wade's was either last year or two years ago. Every every couple of years, there's one big-name athlete that just kind of has their last hurrah. They're, they're kind of just farewell tour. I, it's, it's very easy stated farewell tour, but you just kind of go around. You enjoy everything one last time before you get done. You wrap everything up. And for me... KZLX, this is my farewell tour, my last show here, I think ever. I don't. We're not doing another weekend sports kickoff. Everybody Sadly, else is yeah. gone. I, it is sad that, that we're, we're really not doing the only ones, one. except Nolan. I guess is also in Maryville, but we are really the only ones left in Maryville. And you know, soon you will be out of Maryville, and really I'll be the only one left here. But that's just because I've grew up, grew up here and live here. Don't got anywhere else to go. And I, I think the only other show here on KZLX is Jim's Rock and Rewind. So we got. Just a couple of shows yeah, here yeah. on Tuesday KZLX takeover. anymore. Tuesday yeah. Takeover does do like a podcast version and then they you know, do, and I Zoom think, call. So. I think Jacob still does the left turn or whatever type of turn it may be with iRacing, whatever left or right or a virtual left virtual turn. turn. A virtual turn nonetheless. But in the sports world, another week of quarantine has kind of taken uh, the sports world still by storm. Baseball is projected to kind of have a proposal where they could be coming back in mid-May. Um, that might be a thing that happens. I think that there's a lot of issues with that. There's a And there's also, like, um, in that there's – it's not the normal National League, American League. There's a yes. lot of moving parts with it. And, like, they're trying to get teams to play at their own home sites, which is, you know, dicey. Um, you know, you don't really know. I saw yesterday on Twitter that the NBA was thinking about moving their season to Disney uh, World or Land, whichever one. I think the one in Florida uh, where they, I guess the teams would stay at the Disney Hotel and then they'd play at the arena that they have there uh, in Orlando, Florida. So, you know, the, the sports leads trying to make plans to get back, but, you know, got to think of everyone's health first. Exactly. And I, th- I think that it's the part that we're in now is definitely better because we're seeing a lot of teams take those more precautions. They're not trying to go out and and throw their teams out into the wolves, so to speak, with the rest of the coronavirus. NBA is really the the first team that got hit with it. They they won't even most likely crown a champion this year, which is kind of sad because for some of those players like LeBron James, where he's at the end of almost his prime, it's going to be a lot tougher. Moving on in, in, in L.A., he didn't win a championship last year. Second year, I think they were the number one seed in the West. It's going to be a lot harder for him next year to kind of sell his stock, so to speak, in L.A. and where he ranks with the greats. But I think obviously LeBron James is arguably one, two, or even three of the best players in the world. He's one of those top three spots that everybody seems to have on their list. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely still at the top of the league. And, you know, you mentioned we'd miss another year of LeBron James if, um, you know, this, you know, can't if they do cancel the season, which they're not really planning for. LeBron James tweeted out earlier today. But um, if it so does happen, you know, we miss another part of LeBron's career. But we also miss there's so many good players in their prime right now, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden. We miss another year of those guys' prime. And, you know, losing and also a bunch of young guys who are just starting to get into their prime. So, you know, there's a lot of different, like, 
things we will miss, like the highlights we could have seen the rest of the way. And with the like right now, we could be seeing, you know, young guys taking over the playoffs, Giannis and James Harden dominating the playoffs and LeBron dominating the playoffs. But, you know, unfortunately, we're just not seeing that right now. Well, and I think we would get to see James Harden and Russell Westbrook for the first time as teammates again in the playoffs. That would be something to look forward to. Outside of the NBA, though, in baseball, the WNBA had their virtual draft before the NFL draft. That went really well for them. Their numbers escalated a lot quicker um, than a lot of people anticipated. And for football, it was the same thing. Everybody seemed to have tuned in for the NFL draft. I think that the highest number that they said at one point was like seven or eight million people watching the draft just to kind of see the first couple of picks or something. I don't think it stayed at seven or eight million for very long, probably just to see Joe Burrow get picked number one, but it's something to keep an eye on definitely. And for us here on Day to Day Picks, last week, if you missed last week's episode, go check it out. We did a mock draft of every single player in the first round pick, went by position by position, pick by pick, what would happen potentially at that pick, and the results were kind of interesting. It was very close down the stretch. I think everybody had the top three uh, pegged to a T, Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. No one really talked about any other possibility other than potentially Detroit moving down, but as we saw in the NFL draft, Detroit really didn't get any calls to get that number three pick, so they just spent it with Jeff Okuda. Number four was where it got a little bit interesting with the Giants. As Sam and I had, we, we did our point system a little bit different. Um, we did five points for the right player, and two points for the right position. And we just treated offensive line as tackle or interior linemen, potentially if you're getting a guard or a center, just because that's how the NFL does it. So Sam and I at pick number four for the Giants picked both. We both picked Jedrick Wills, and they ended up taking Andrew Thomas. So we got two points for that one. Brady went with Isaiah Simmons, which honestly wasn't a bad pick. I think that, that he was probably going to be one of the first couple of defensive players off the board. And it took a little bit longer than I thought for him to come off the board at number eight. So I think he's definitely one of the, not really steals, but I think he's one of the first players in this draft that you were kind of thinking, wow, they, they really got lucky with how it landed and and Isaiah Simmons just kind of fell into Arizona's lap. So yeah, we both picked um, Isaiah Simmons the pick before yes. Arizona to Carolina and you know thinking maybe he'd take over for Luke Keekley. They ended up going with Derrick Brown. So uh, it was interesting to see. And Brady went with that pick to Carolina, Javon Kenlaw. So he picked defensive line, stayed the same. But the way it shaped up in terms of the standings, so as I mentioned, two points for the right position, five points for the right players, how we did our first round only, just that draft. And then pick, or excuse me, with 43 points, Brady coming in in last place. So Brady went really strong this year. And anything that we took points on, he won the first couple. I think he won NFL by a game or two one college football by a game or two. I think both over me because we had to alternate picks. And then I think he lost college basketball by a good margin. Yeah. Because you and I were both neck and neck for that one. And then Brady taking last place here for the NFL draft mock. And then you, Sam, coming in at 58 points. And then by a single point, I won with 59. So I think tit for tat. You and I, as we were talking through the show, though, we, we had, had a we had a lot of either similar positions or similar players. There really wasn't too many differences. I, mean, I believe like the first seven picks, we had the same like, the top seven. I think we had the same picks. Yeah, like, it, pick, it it really player for player. So until pick number eight, I had Derek Brown and you had Tristan Wirfs, and I think either way, it would have been a good pick. And I think if Derek Brown didn't go at seven. <clears throat> Derek Brown might have gone at eight. I don't know. But Isaiah yeah. Simmons was probably the only other option off the board at seven. Yeah. So we would have got more points for that one. Yeah. And then, well, then you look at the Nets pit, number nine. We both get full points for that one because we both pit CJ Henderson. And, so. and th- th- another thing, too, that I noted from the draft, there really wasn't a whole lot of trades this year. And I think that really, really helped you and I. Yes, some of the guys moved around a little bit. There were some trades uh, towards the back half of the first round. But I think. Honestly, keeping the top 15 or or 16, I think up until, yeah, pick 17 was the last pick that wasn't traded. or I I guess it was the start of of when the trades happened, aside from San Francisco and Tampa Bay flipping one pick. Yeah, they they flipped 13 and 14. And, uh, yeah, after Dallas pit, that's when the trades started opening up. But obviously, as we mentioned, Joe Burrow, number one, Chase Young, number two, Jeff Okuda, number three. The first trio... 
I, I think of all time to ever have be, been teammates at one point to go number one, number two, and number three because Joe Burrow, obviously the transfer from Ohio State, playing at LSU his last two years um, in college football, going number one to the Cincinnati Bengals, who also just today cut Andy Dalton. So that's something else. No, no, no starting competition for Joe Burrow. It looks like he's going to be moved in as the starter, which doesn't really surprise me. You're wasting, or not wasting, you're giving your number one overall pick to Joe Burrow. You want him to come in and be the star player. You're not going to get him to come in and say, you sit a year. It's not yeah, going to work. Definitely. I think they did that with Jared Goff in L.A. They did that with Baker Mayfield, too, with Tyron Taylor. And so, I mean, we saw how that ended up, you know, Jared Goff was a little different. He sat out and then, you know, the next year he started, but then Tyra Taylor got hurt and we saw Baker Mayfield come in and maybe it is just better off for, to throw rookies right into the fire. If they're, you know, high draft pit, number one, it's better off to just start them right away. So they get a feel for the game. Well, and it worked out pretty well last year for Kyler Murray going number one to Arizona, end up winning rookie of the year, a very debatable one because there were some other players that might have been a little bit more deserving potentially. Uh, who knows, though? But Kyler Murray kind of showing that that number one spot can still play that quarterback role effectively in that first year. They don't really have to sit, learn the playbook, that kind of stuff. But we'll take a look now specifically at Kansas City since more local than anything. We'll look through their draft picks first, go through kind of what, what I think about their, their scouting report. Or Sam, if you want to chime in, if, if you want to say anything as well, you're more than welcome to. But... Well, Pick number 32 was is the one that I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say about because I know I will. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, junior, or not a junior, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back out of LSU. Pick number 32, I think that's a little bit interesting. And Sam and I, you were talking, and I were talking before the show. I wasn't really too keen on this pick to begin with. I thought it was a waste of a pick. The, the more jarring issues are corner, interior linemen. That was something that the Chiefs really struggled with. You lose a, a corner in, I believe, Kendall Fuller. He's gone, so you're, you're already down a corner. Everything that happened, ironically, after the draft with Bashad Breeland, you're really thin at corner. You you don't spend a corner spot there. You're For one of the games, I think, believe against Tennessee, um, you lose two offensive linemen in back-to-back plays, and you're almost wondering, like, who is the next guy? Do you slide Travis Kelsey in to play <laughs> a tackle spot, potentially, just because he's a blocker? But the Chiefs decided to go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and by the Chiefs, I mean more likely Patrick Mahomes. He got the call beforehand, was asked who he wanted to have on the team for the first pick, whether to go offense or defense. Veach and Andy Reid were on the phone with him. He said he wants Clyde. They end up getting Clyde. It's kind of like what you would expect. Yeah. I think you, you call your quarterback and you say, who do you want? Usually if you're a high-profile guy like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to go get that guy. But if you're the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, Ooh, he, just a, he, just he just wants it. He just wants one receiver. He wants a weapon, and they draft his backup. And they drafted, yeah, his eventual replacement. Uh, it's very strange. Um, talking to the Chiefs fans, I know you, Brady, and some others, they weren't really, you know, too high on taking a running back in the first round, especially a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who wasn't really slated to go in the first round at all in any of the mock drafts that I saw, and he wasn't in any of our mock drafts either. So. Uh, it was interesting to see, but like once it came out that said Patrick Mahomes wanted him, obviously you understood why they had that pick, and you know it makes a lot more sense. So obviously, I think the Chiefs would be really happy about that pick. And I think that the more specific thing is after realizing that they had talked to Patrick yeah. Mahomes, because before that I was in the same kind of boat where I was like, eh. Running back was something that maybe later down the line you get a guy. On my board, I had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as my second running back that I liked the most. Uh, number one being Jonathan Taylor. I think he fits really well. J.K. Dobbins, probably a third guy. Um, Swift, probably fourth yeah. on my list. I really wasn't too keen on him, even though a lot of people had him number one running back. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of stuff like before the draft was coming out. They all, all talked about Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. You know, J.K. Dobbins. I didn't see a lot of, you know, draft coverage on Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but he was the first running back off the board. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire, a 6.39 prospect grade, kind of pans him out to be a starter in the first two seasons or so. Ran a 4.640. So not blazing fast, but fast enough to get the job done. He fits really well with what the Chiefs like to do. He is a lot of yards after catch uh, this last year as well. I think he led the team. This year, let me double check here. I'm pretty sure he led the team um, this year. Yes, with all-purpose yards, um, quite a bit actually. Ran for 
1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns as a junior this year, and then also had 55 receptions, 453 yards. So just about 2,000 all-purpose yards this year. Played really well, able to get it done in both the run game and the pass game, which is something that complements Patrick Mahomes. They have his NFL draft comparison as Devontae Freeman. I'm not, not sure bad. if I'm too keen on that, but Devontae Freeman shows that he's pretty good in the NFL. They have him projected as a second-round pick. Obviously, this is this was before the draft, but second-round pick is about what I expected him into, and I think that I read after the first round happened and the Chiefs ended up taking him with the 32nd pick. A lot of people, uh, NFL fans and, and NFL uh, front offices, were extremely upset and they were ripping up papers because they also – wanted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He fits really well. Not not a problem with fumbling. He's able yeah. to cut and go. He doesn't get really taken down off the field. He, he has really good stamina. He can play a full game if need to, and he also runs really good routes out of yeah, the backfield. I think he led all of running backs last year in the NCAA with receptions, so that's something that the Chiefs really like. I mean, you saw a lot with Damian Williams that you know they used him a lot of in the passing game, and especially with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, he's definitely going to thrive in the Chiefs' offense. And he also was a kick returner for three years, so that's something to keep an eye on as well. Possibly make an impact immediately if nothing happens to Damian Williams. I think that you will be able to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire play a lot more in special teams returning kicks this year. I don't know, though. They already have quite a few good returners. Like They got McCole Hardman, of course, and then Tyreek Hill. So that Tyreek has been not doing as much return yeah. stuff unless they need like, him to. I feel like they're going to put McCole Hardman into the more like punt return, kick return type situation. They, they'll probably do what I what I anticipate is they'll do the same thing they did with Tyreek is they'll split them. So Michael Hardman will probably return punts or something or, or he'll just return kicks and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might return the other. But nonetheless, I think the only weaknesses that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has are probably his height. Five foot seven, not a huge guy built wise. He's not going to be your ground and pound, run up the middle every single play, pick up three, four yards. It's just not going to happen. But that's not how the Chiefs roll on offense either. So it yeah. kind of is a give and take. Um, five foot seven as a route runner isn't really going to be too beneficial. Corners, if they are able to catch up on him, they have a little bit of some extra reach. So it's going to be a little bit harder for him. But that there's really not a whole lot of downside to it. I, I really think those are just nitpicky things at that yeah, point. Yeah, and also, you know, you mentioned, you know, the cornerbacks could have a better reach, but also he's got the best quarterback in the league throwing at, at him. So I'm pretty sure Patrick Mahomes is going to put the ball in the right spot for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to catch it. I, I completely agree. Second round for the Chiefs, round two, pick number 63 from the 49ers. I believe this was the trade for D. Ford. And they get a replacement for D. Ford, Willie Gay Jr., linebacker out of Mississippi State. This was one that as soon as I saw what it was that happened um, with this pick, I really liked it. I really liked it. I said linebacker was a good need uh, for the Chiefs here and come some of the later rounds because I imagine in the first round, all the good linebackers, Isaiah Simmons being one of them, was going to be taken a lot earlier than when the Chiefs were going to be drafting. I was really surprised with this pick. I've never heard of Willie Gay Jr. um, up until this. And, you know, looking at the highlights that they showed, you know, he's a good linebacker, really physical. But I thought um, a linebacker that they were probably going to take was Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. Uh, He ended up falling further down. But, I mean, this fills a need. It's a good pick for the Chiefs, and they really need help on the linebackers. And Willie Gay looks like he could really make some noise on the defense. And Willie Gay Jr., six foot one, two hundred and forty-three pound, uh, ten and a half inch hand junior out of Mississippi State. Combine grade of six point one three because the hands are obviously gotta important. Be. Hands have to be important. Gotta be important. There's no other reason why they wouldn't put the hands on there. Obviously, they have the prospect grade at six point one three. Have him as a good backup that could potentially become a starter. Ran a four four six forty. So you just as we talked about earlier with Clyde Edwards Hilaire running a four six. Willie Gay Jr., a linebacker, running a 4-4-6. So faster as a linebacker spot. I think he was one of the fastest linebackers in the entire draft, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I also saw that he is the number one graded zone coverage safety, or zone coverage linebacker, rather. And that really is enticing to me because that's something that the Chiefs really struggled with last year. The linebacking core was some decent-named players. It wasn't like they were throwing at rookies out there, but... It didn't get the job done. Anthony Hitchens was about all that the Chiefs really had. Outside of that, there was just a couple of players that that didn't really mesh well together in that 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 three four. Yeah, that three four. No, 
Is it a 3-4? It might be. They, they flipped it. I think it's a 4-3 now, if I'm not mistaken. But your, your guess is as good as mine. I could be wrong. I, I'm not very good at defensive you know, coverages or whatever in football. I'm not really well-versed in that area. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm 99% sure it's a 4-3 defense. But Willie Gay Jr. looks really promising. The only downside that he has was he sat out quite a bit. Uh, I think he sat out half, yeah, eight eight games this last year um, for NCAA violations pertaining to an academic tutor. So that's something that to keep an eye on. He's kind of, I wouldn't say he's got baggage, but that's something that Andy Reid has kind of taken under his wing. And some of the players, Marcus Peters, for example, when he was drafted to the Chiefs just a couple years ago, he was kicked off the team. He ended up coming to the Chiefs playing really well, and I think now he's one of the top five corners in the league, in my opinion. He's a really strong, physical corner, and and just a second-chance guy. Tyron Matthews, the same similar situation. Frank Clark has had some issues in the past. He's been playing a lot better. And then, obviously, Tyreek Hill. He, he's had some issues just last season getting out of some of those slumps and being able to get that second chance for Willie Gay Jr., a guy that slid extremely far. He was slated to be probably first-round talent, and now he sees himself a Kansas City Chief in the second-round pick number 53. And then, or excuse me, 63, not 53. Round number three got a little bit different here for the Chiefs. They picked up another offensive position, Lucas Niang, an offensive tackle out of TCU. So we talked about Chiefs taking tackle in the first round. They'd wait until the third round to get an offensive tackle in Lucas Niang. 6.28 prospect grade, 6'6", 315 pounds. And if you're wondering, 10.5-inch hand. It's where it comes in handy. That's where yeah, it comes in handy, especially Sam. Especially on the offensive line, definitely. So he's got uh, he's got some good strengths to him. He, he's got good hands, good hip work. Um, the only downside, I think, for Lucas Niang, obviously, is a third-round guy. He's not going to be the best, sharpest prospect, and that's kind of where it comes into, into hand here. Um, his punches can be a little bit more accurate, and his, his, he lacks a little bit of some sharpness on some of his footwork, but that's more fundamental stuff than anything. I think that he played really well. Um, he had some games against Chase Young and Nick Bosa just two years ago, and it looks really good for guys that are number two draft picks in back-to-back years uh, behind a quarterback. So that's something to keep an eye on. Lucas Niang probably will be – I wouldn't say he's going to be a starter in this year, but I think next year – um, with how how little the Chiefs are getting thin at those tackle spots. They're getting a little bit older uh, with Schwartz out there at right tackle. And then obviously with Fisher at left tackle, you're kind of good. You're, you're sold on that left tackle spot. He might slide in to play more this year. Um, but Lucas Niang, a solid third-round pick, honestly. Fourth-round pick for the Chiefs, pick number 138, Legereus Sneed, safety out of Louisiana Tech. And I think the only reason that they really picked him, six-foot corner, or safety rather, 192, 5.96 prospect grade, which is still pretty good. They kind of just have him as more of a special teams, uh, potential backup guy. And if you're wondering, 8.78 hand, so just a touch under nine on the hands. A little bit smaller than we're used to seeing, Sam. A little bit, but I mean... (laughs) Look at who his teammate is, Patrick Mahomes. He's got small hands. He's the MVP. So, you know, I don't, you know, as much as we're, you know, griping on the hands, does it really matter? Who knows? No, I, I don't think it matters at <laughs> yeah. all. But the senior out of Law Tech, this is the reason why I think the Chiefs drafted him, not because of the hands, but because of the 4.3740. Absolutely blazing there at that safety spot. And that's something to keep an eye on. It works really well. Maybe he's another guy that, you know, they don't want to put wear and tear on Tyree Kill. You know, returning, maybe he's a guy that can return some with that speed. Quite, quite honestly, potential for that as well. And and he played some cornerback and, and cover safety as well. So that kind of fits what the Chiefs need. They need a defensive back that, that can also swap over and play corner. He is the guy. He's been able to play it before. I don't think he'll come in and immediately be a starting corner for the Chiefs, but Legereus Sneed might take a year or two to develop. But a fourth-round pick, I think this is a good fourth-round pick. It might maybe a little bit of some bias to say that, but he wor- he fits really well with what the Chiefs want to do on defense, and he's fast. Can't and, go wrong with drafting speed. And you get to learn behind. I know Tyron Matthews really labeled as a safety, but he can play anywhere. Learning behind Tyron Matthews is really going to help him out. And then pick number five or fifth-round pick and seventh-round pick we'll just spend a little bit of some time on. I don't think these guys will do too much of an impact well, that in the next last, year or two. That last pick, I love the name of him. Exactly. You got Mike Dana, a defensive end out of Michigan. I think they're just more drafting best prospect available. Um, 5.4 combine grade. He's kind of listed right now as a priority free agent. But the Chiefs draft him as an edge spot. He didn't play a whole lot. He was a transfer, I believe, 
um, to that Power 5 Michigan school. He played in Central Michigan before that, and he's had just 17 starts at both schools combined as a redshirt senior. Um, so a little bit of, of some lack of, of maybe lack of experience, but he was able to play six foot two, 261, didn't do anything at the Combine this year, didn't get the invite to that. But that's something to keep an eye on. He might make the team as a fifth-round guy. It'll be interesting to see what Mike Dan is able to do. But the seventh-round guy, Thakarius Keys. And, uh, what a name. And his nickname, Bo Pete. Bo, Th- yeah, Bo Thakarius Pete Keys. Bo Pete Keys. Love that. great name. Keys. In, in terms of drafting names-wise, that's an A+. Well, I think now I saw something It was really funny to me. The Chiefs now have Thakarius, um, Legarius, and there's one other. I can't remember what his name is, but they have like three guys that are like back to back to back that, that just sound like a key and peel spit <laughs> or a skit. It's but, like like the 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 East West game exactly. Like key and peel. It, it sounds exactly like the East West game, and you just kind of hear some of these guys' names. But that's how the Chiefs drafted a D end in the fifth round, cornerback Thakarius Keys out of Tulane in the seventh round pick. I'm not too sold on either one of those guys just yet, but I think the top four picks that they had, uh, one, two, three, and four round picks, those guys are some some solid picks. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Willie Gay Jr., Lucas Niang, and then Legarius Sneed. I think all three of those, or all four of those guys, rather, will make some impact in the next year or two. It's just going to be something to keep an eye on. Um, some of these guys, Legarius Sneed, possibly. He, he's going to be either one of those guys that will make the cut barely to be on that 55-man roster, or he'll sit a year on the practice squad, kind of go with that uh, Garrick Dieter-type role where he sits a year on the practice squad, comes up, makes a big impact. But I would expect all four of these guys to kind of get some playing time at some point here uh, this season at all. But moving on to the entirety of the 2020 NFL Draft, Sam, you've got some good guys as well for your Dallas Cowboys, and and C.D. Lamb being the first name off the board at 17 that was something that really was surprising, and I think the Cowboys might have gotten one of the bigger steals in the first round if they would have drafted. I, I honestly think that they had probably the second best steal in the draft, and we'll talk more about what I think is the first best after this, but C.D. Well, Lamb at 17 is a huge steal. It is a huge steal, and you know, um, I think the Cowboys just as a whole had probably one of the top five drafts Total like out of everyone they've gotten, you know they take C.D. Lamb at 17, stealing him from a team like the Eagles or the Vikings, and I'm surprised even somebody let him drop that far. But Jerry Jones taking best player available over a team need, and then you know I thought maybe a guy that we got in the second round, Trayvon Diggs. I thought we might have to take a guy like him at the 17 spot. I thought we'd ever take like Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney. And someone like that at 17, but he drops all the way to 51. The Cowboys take him, and I really like him. He's he's got a lot of size. He's 6'2", 207 out of Alabama. So I really like that pick. Is a big cornerback uh, that'll help out the defense a lot. And then um, another pick that I really like that came in the fifth round, uh, Bradley Anai, end out of Utah. They took him in the fifth round, and um, he is the all-time leading sack leader at Utah. A really good D end, and uh, you know, just total like up until round seven, like Ben DiNucci probably not going to do much just for quarterback depth. But the rest of the draft, they filled needs really well, I think, and also took one of the best players in the draft in C.D. Lamb. And that's something that was interesting because right before the draft. Jerry Jones kind of told his scouting team to not talk to him. He sat on his draft or scared. sat on his yacht and just did nothing. Didn't talk to any of them. And everybody that was either a Cowboys fan or just an NFL football fan was kind of just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I was. Yeah, for me personally, I was holding my breath as soon as you know the ticker went along the Cowboys selection, and then I heard Goodell's voice with the 17th pit. The Cowboys said, "I was like, come on, Jerry, please." It turned out to be a good pick. Jerry did good. Maybe for the rest of the for the rest of his days as Cowboys owner. I don't know how many drafts he's got left, but for as many as he does, just stay on the yacht. Don't let no one talk to him. Exactly, because this was a good draft. And I honestly think the virtual draft part of it really was it went phenomenally well. We I don't think we had any issues other than occasionally they would say that the pick hasn't came in yet and yeah. you could see at the bottom that the pick was in. Yeah. I think that's just a little tidbitty stuff that 
honestly, I, I didn't deter me from not watching. I sat there. I was initially said I was just going to watch the top ten, and then I ended up watching the whole first round. I just had yeah. it playing in the background, and every time they would say that the pick is in, and they'd flip back to Roger Goodell, I'd want to see what Roger Goodell was doing, whether he's changing outfits, sitting, laying back in an NFL oh, shirt, just big chilling. That was cool. That was really cool how, you know, well, he just kind of, you kind of, you know, expect Roger Goodell. You don't really expect that out of Roger Goodell, but like he had to stand for a long time and you're like, okay, you can chill out. You can chill on your, your little couch and your little man cave. And that was, it's a really cool way of doing the draft. Now, do I want that to happen every year? No, I, I, I like the, you know, having the fans boo him and having this big stage and spectacle, but it was a really nice draft, and you know, with all the stuff going on, it was cool to get your mind off of everything and just watch the draft. See, I'm on the fence about it. Honestly, if they if they said that this structure was to happen every single year, I'd be okay. With I would it. be okay with that. I, I I would rather be there to watch it happen live, probably, but. At the same time, you have Roger Goodell and and the the project that he had with the hashtag like boo the boo, boo the commissioner boo the yeah ha- having that there and him egging on people to boo him uh, for great. a guy like Roger Goodell who's usually strictly business he took a page out of Pat McAfee's book and was entertainer the whole time he was he's really casual about it he had not, he didn't dress up in a suit you know he had you know casual clothes on sweater and you know slacks and you know just. Once once you knew he was kind of getting tired and you know wanted the night to be over, he just kind of sat back in his recliner, you know, and chilled and just read the picks, slouched back, and he he looked like the cool commissioner, you know. It really did, and and I honestly, for a guy that that really doesn't have a whole lot of respect in terms of the commissioners, I think obviously Manfred's probably a little bit lower on the list now. But I think you know it could go. Adam Silver, Roger Goodell. I, I think that's probably how the list was, but I honestly think Roger Goodell might be making a little bit of a power move up the ranking list there. But he just, I don't know, it was just, you gained a lot of respect for him for how he was able to handle everything this this year in the draft. And I and think a lot of people just like his personality a lot more because he was able to show it. And usually he only really does the first round, of, you know, yeah. first round picks. And so to be able to, do every single pick he's the one that named every single player i'm sure that will stick with that player uh for the rest of their lives because like uh, the mr irrelevant this mr irrelevant uh i don't know does roger goodell usually i don't call think out he mr. usually irrelevant? does call out because, mr irrelevant uh this one can say hey roger goodell called out my name all these guys can say roger goodell called out my name usually it's only the first round guys uh, that can say that so that was a really cool part of the draft i thought Tay Crowder is able Tay to Crowder. say that he is Mr. Irrelevant and that Commissioner Goodell said his name. So we kind of talked about all of the draft and everything that some of our best, our teams rather, who yeah. they who they drafted, what we thought about our team's picks. But we'll talk now about some of the bigger steals from the 2020 NFL draft. We usually do our lists at the beginning of the show. We're going to do our list at the end of the show because it's the last show, so why not do it there? We'll kind of go through, may not be five exactly, but we'll go through some of our biggest steals from the draft, and I'm going to try and keep mine because I have quite a bit of them here. I'll try and keep mine different from what yours are. That I mean, way, we'll, really, unless you don't have five, then we'll just continue spitballing ideas of... I mean, I don't really pay much attention to the draft very much. All I can really think of with in terms of steals is really CeeDee Lamb for the Cowboys because, you know, I really only focus on the Cowboys. But um, I'm sure once like, you can name them and, like, I'll be like, I, I'm sure once you say the names, that'll stick out in my mind. Like, okay, yeah, that was a steal. And, and I was hinting at this earlier. I think the biggest steal of the draft, pick number 15 to the Broncos, Jerry Judy. He was initially on on Pro Football Focus's big board, ranked number five. He was the fifth best prospect. Um he, they have him compared to the, the best uh, wide receiver behind Amari Cooper at Alabama. So that's something to be interesting. Yeah. No one really bid on it because it, it really wasn't just a wide receiver needed yeah, and until, until about pick 15, and he was just the first one off the board. Yeah, Henry Ruggs, uh, I think you could put him in as uh, a steal of the draft. He was the first receiver off the board to Las Vegas, but yeah. Jerry Judy, probably the best wide receiver in the class, I think, behind C.D. Lamb, and then you'd probably go Henry Ruggs. But uh, Jerry Judy, definitely, we both had him going at that number 15 spot, but that is definitely a steal for Denver to get that guy and also get Drew Locke some help. 
I think that's also important, too, is Drew Locke really didn't have much last season. Now he has Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, and we'll talk about the other guy that he has because I also think that's another big steal that they picked, I believe, in the fourth round. Um, C.D. Lamb, I also had him on Pro Football Focus's big board ranked number six. He went number 17 to Dallas. And then another guy on here that I kind of really liked where he – not necessarily where he went, but in terms of the the amount of value out of that pick – Pro Football Focus's big board had him ranked at number 15. Grant Delpit going to Cleveland Brown at pick number 44. So second-round guy. A lot of people really just didn't talk about him. He just yeah. really didn't have the time to shine in the media. And I think the Cleveland the Browns really got a good steal in the second round with Grant Delpit. They really did, and I was hoping uh, Delpit would drop to 51 so the Cowboys could take him. But, you know, obviously the Browns took him at 44, and that was a huge uh, steal for them. You know, and you know, coming into the draft, um, there wasn't really much talk of him. Like uh, before, you know, during the season, everyone's like, "Oh, Grant Delpit's, you know, the, one of the best DBs in in the nation. He should be going, you know, top twenty or so." And then once the draft all got started, you just kind of silence around him. So it was good to see that uh, Grant Delpit went maybe a little higher than people had him pegged. Well, and another guy, too, that went in the second round that should have probably went in the first round, A.J. Epineza. We talked about him from Iowa. He was drafted with pick number 54. The edge rusher went to the Buffalo Bills at pick number 54, ranked at, at pick number 20 is what Pro Football Focus has him at. So not really anything that's, like, top 15 worthy, which which is kind of where Grant Delpit was sliding all the way to the second round. But for A.J. Epineza to slide 34 picks where he was projected to go, that's something that, that in this class he should have been a first-round talent. And we I think everybody had him going in the first round in our mock draft. It wasn't until later in the first round about where he was supposed to go. But that's something, A.J. Epineza, a good steal for the Buffalo Bills. But this is honestly, this one is one of the ones that I thought was a huge value pick. Uh, Tennessee Titans with pick number 61. I believe that's still in the second round. They pick a guy that was on the Pro Football Focus's big board rank number 12. Christian Fulton, cornerback. They pick him up. He just slid. I don't really, there really was no reason why he slid. I think they kind of the same like Grant Delpit. Just, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of good DBs in this draft, and he was just one of them that slid. And so, you know, along with his teammate Grant Delpit, he slides farther away than Delpit, but again, another big steal uh, out of LSU. And on the 38 contested targets he forced, Fulton only allowed nine catches with 25 incompletions. That's something that's really interesting. He's a really sticky corner. He works really well, really hard, and that's kind of how Tennessee works. They like having those corners that play really well like that. Dory Jackson just a few years ago out of USC, they picked him up. Now they have Christian Fulton to go along with it because I believe they lost a corner over the offseason. So, that he kind of slides in Christian Fulton to fill that role in the second round of a guy that was pick number 12. And that was something that cornerbacks were really early to find. You get Jeff Okuda off the board. You get C.J. Henderson at number 9. And then you have a little bit of a drop-off. A.J. Terrell at 16. Um, uh, Damon Arnett at yeah, number I 19. Anyone, I don't I, think anyone saw him going in the first round at, at any mocks. Uh, the, the Raiders always do that. I think they always take a guy that it happened with Colin, uh, Colin Farrell, uh, you know, the year before, and now this year with Damon Arnett, you know, just guys that, you know, are good, talented players, but just not really first-round talent, taking the first round. So, I mean, it was a little weird pick, but, I mean, whatever they needed to do to fill the need. A little bit of a risk for Gruden. He's something he's always accustomed to. And then you get two more corners at the end of the first round um, with Jeff Gladney and one out of Auburn as well. So for that to kind of happen, the not, second not gonna, round, not, gonna, not even going to attempt that Noah, one. Noah, Noah, let's just call him Noah, yeah. Noah I. Noah I. He, I it, believe. Noah, I'm going to attempt it. I think I got this. Noah Igbenogany. I think that's the name. I think that is right. Igbenogany. Because I, I remember his his story because they were telling about a story on the on the whenever he got drafted. Both of his parents were either were track runners. I think both of his parents were track runners. He's extremely fast. Uh, it really was no surprise. The kid is blazing speed. I think his forty was one of the better forty times for corners. Yeah, and but I I, remember, I recognize that name because I saw some. Cowboys people on Twitter thinking he could drop to the second round to where the Cowboys would pick and maybe picking him, but obviously going with number pick number 30, 
in the first round. Kind of surprising, but also, you know, a fast corner. The NFL is getting a lot faster nowadays, so you need fast people on both sides of the ball. I think it's a good pick for Miami. I think for Miami, having four first-round picks or five first-round picks, however many they had, you're kind of just picking to fill spots at that point in corner. Yeah. You can never go wrong with picking another corner, especially one that's extremely fast. And yeah, for they, Noah working there, that's a good fit. It works pretty well. Yeah, they are. They already had you know their quarterback to attack by Loa. Then they also got uh, an offensive lineman to help protect him. And so at that point, you know, uh, you need you know another uh, maybe go on the defensive side of the ball because you know. They weren't. They were not good on either side of the ball last year, really. And so, maybe Igbenogany will help out that this year. And then we already mentioned Willie Gay Jr. I think that's a pretty big steal. Uh, initially ranked number thirty-nine, Chiefs pick him up at sixty-three. Julian Okwara for the Detroit Lions, ranked number twenty-eight. Lions picked him up at 67. He was a guy that I had going in the late first round out of Notre Dame. He had a inj- season-ending injury in Week 11 last year, so there might have been some potential as to why. That's why he might have slid a little bit, just because you can't work a guy out when you can't see him. It's kind of hard to do with all the coronavirus stuff coming out. But this might be the biggest under-the-radar steal of the entire draft. Josh Jones, the Cardinals pick him up at pick number 72. Josh Jones was ranked number 14, initially was ranked a lot higher on the board too, I believe at number 11 with Makai Becton, both of those guys going back and forth, Um, but Josh Jones off the board at number 72 for a guy that was ranked initially at 14, a huge steal for the Cardinals who also had another steal in Isaiah Simmons, so the Cardinals played really well in this draft. Yeah, the Cardinals uh, did draft very well in the draft and you got some help for uh Kyler Murray and um you know also who is that second uh Isaiah Simmons yep also yes. getting um some help on the defensive side of the ball which was a big need and so there wasn't t- honestly there wasn't too many teams in this draft that had a bad draft per se it was it's hard I can it was, only it's really, hard to mess up this draft I can only really think of two teams that kind of had off drafts like the Packers and I think the Eagles. I think yeah, but the Eagles not so much because they feel they got a receiver. It's more based off that Jalen Hurts pick. I don't get that one. Um, that wasn't a great pick in my opinion. Uh, and for the Packers, really, what only makes their draft a bad draft is didn't draft a receiver and got Jordan Love instead of a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I think that the Packers really are trying to go all in on on picking a new cast. Of, of playmakers there in Green Bay. Another guy that we'll talk about, two more guys before we get into our final guy here on our steals of the 2020 NFL draft. I think the the interior lineman that the Cowboys got, I think you might have uh, already mentioned him. Neville Gallimore? No, it was Tyler, uh, the kid uh, from Wisconsin. Oh, the center? Uh, yeah. Tyler Baidaz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And with, with that pick, uh, the Cowboys originally only had one fifth-round pick, and I believe with that pick... Uh, yeah, they traded away their six-round pick and something else, uh, maybe like another pick next year for that uh, pick 146 to get Tyler Bidas. And um, obviously he's probably going to be, um, after probably sitting out this year behind whoever they're going to throw in at center, he's going to be the successor to Travis Frederick. And, you know, a little history, Travis Frederick went to Wisconsin. So Dallas has had success with centers from Wisconsin, so we'll see how Tyler does. Well, and Tyler Baidaz, we talked about him just now, but he's also one of the best run blockers um, in this draft class, posted a run blocking grade above 82 in all three seasons starting at Wisconsin. That's extremely hard to do for the numbers that the people that aren't numbered freaks like us. 82 is extremely hard to do in terms of run blocking grades. He was one of the best to do it in college all three years he was there. Fits really well because Cowboys have arguably one of the best running backs in the league, Zeke Elliott. It's kind of tough to uh, to not be able to pick up a run-blocking guy to, to pair with him at center. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, maybe he'll come in right away and be the starter. I don't really know who the guy behind Travis Frederick was, so maybe he'll come in right in that role and pick up where he left off at Wisconsin with the run-blocking because, you know, he did well at Wisconsin blocking for Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor did amazing in college, so... Maybe he can continue that success with another good running back in Zeke Elliott. And the second-to-last guy we'll talk about that was a huge steal, New York Jets, pick number 158. 
They picked up a guy in Bryce Hall who slid, who initially was ranked number 49 in pro football focus, a guy that arguably was supposed to go in the first round. It doesn't look like his big board ranking shows that he was supposed to go in the first round, but a lot of people had him slated to go in the first round, sometimes to the Chiefs, sometimes later on in the draft as well. But Bryce Hall had a season-ending injury, season-ending injury, and that was kind of what happened, I think, is is why he slid so far. Like the same thing for Julian Aquar. It's hard to to get looked at. During yeah, all of this. Unless you're, you know, a guy like Tua Tagovailoa who's showed it, he's well known. If you're not really well known and, you know, you have that season ending injury, um, it is tough, especially now with no pro days really and, you know, limited workout stuff. And, you know, if he wasn't able to make the combine or not, um, it's really tough to get looked at. And that's definitely probably why he slid. Well, and, and corners a lot different than quarterback. I think even yeah. if even if Tua didn't get all the type of extra treatment for being a top five pick that he was getting, being a quarterback will get you a lot more yeah. than being a cornerback. But the last guy we'll talk about, we talked about the Denver Broncos getting Jerry Judy. They also picked up a guy in the fourth round, pick number 118, that I think is a pretty good steal as well. And Sam, I'm sure you'll agree with that. Yeah. But the Denver Broncos picked up Albert Okuwebunam, tight end out of Mizzou, SEC pick there, going along with their quarterback out of the SEC, Missouri, Drew Locke. Yeah, so pairing those two together, once again, they had great chemistry at Mizzou. And I wonder how that tight end dynamic is going to work out if they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets because uh, Broncos still have Noah Fant, who they drafted last year. And so it'll be interesting to see how they work those two together. Um, Albert Okwebunam definitely... uh, it, you know, Noah Fance is kind of an athletic freak. He's a good receiver, but he can also block. Albert Okwebunam does the majority of his stuff in, in the passing game, and it's kind of a vertical threat. And so it'll be interesting uh, it's interesting to see how, you know, they work those guys and if they're going is Alberto as the second string or if they'll maybe run two tight end sets because they also have a good uh, running back behind there and Melvin Gordon. So... You can uh, work out blocking with both the tight ends. So it's a good pick, and I like that they are joining two Mizzou guys back in Denver. Well, I think Denver honestly has a scarier offense now, too. You kind of just go through who they have. It's young, yes, but there's also really good potential. You have Drew Lockett, starting quarterback, obviously. You'll have a two-pair of running backs in Melvin Gordon and as well as Phillip Lindsey. Both of those guys have shown their worth on two separate teams, still in the same division. Melvin Gordon's really not moving much. He's changing from one AFC West team to another AFC West team. He knows how the defenses play. Obviously, the defenses are a little bit changed from year to year, but it's the same type of offense. You have Jerry Judy, who you just drafted, bigger wide receiver. He fits pretty well. Cortland Sutton, who is also a bigger wide receiver, it fits really well for him as well. And then you have, I believe, K.J. Hamler. He's a pretty good wide receiver, younger guy as well. Noah Fant, and then Albert Ogwebenom, who we just talked about. That's a pretty scary offense if it works well. Yeah. I think that they're all just too young. It may not work this season, but next season potentially or the year after, this is an offense in the AFC West, sadly, that will that will be the second best offense in that in that division, I think. Yeah, it could be one of the top five offenses in the league, but still be second in their own division because yes. you got yes. Patrick Mahomes. But definitely, you know, you look at the uh, age and it's gonna take a year or two, but if it if it actually really does work, that is a scary offense in Denver. And, you know, they all still have Bradley Chubb. Um, on the other side of the ball, and Von Miller. It's, it's scary defense, too. So coming up, you know, we'll see how Denver does, but definitely uh, watch out for them later down the line. And we'll end, before we end the show, I'll ask you one time, putting you on the spot here, Sam, rookie of the year, offensive and defensive, who you got? I mean, I know it's basically, it's a quarterback award, really, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so I'm going to go with Joe Burrow, even though my heart really wants to say C.D. Lamb, but probably Joe. It's tough for a wide receiver. It's tough for a wide receiver. We saw last year it was tough with a running back for Josh Jacobs. So it's probably going to go to Joe Burrow. Uh, On the defensive side of the ball, probably Chase Young. uh, Chase Young uh, is an absolute monster on the defense, and I think he's going to do great in uh, Washington, which is really scary because I don't want to see him two times a year. 
Yeah, it really could. I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I hate to say pick number one and pick yeah. number two are going to be rookie of the year and I on think, both sides. I think, uh, you know, a guy you possibly could look out for, uh, you know, that's not uh, Chase Young is obviously I think I think C.J. Henderson, I think, could be um, in that defense in Jacksonville. Maybe uh, maybe a guy like um, – Kalevon Chason. I was just thinking that I got to his name and I was like, he could be it too. Uh, and I, I want to, I want to keep, uh, you know, my bias out of it. But, but uh, I feel Bradley and I, uh, you know, he was a fifth round pick, but I saw a lot of good stuff out of, um, like he was a fifth round pick, but he was pretty high up on people's boards. Supposed supposed to be like a third round pick, and so I think he could make some noise in Dallas on the defensive side of the ball. Not maybe. Uh, rookie of the year type numbers I don't know but definitely you know in the conversation of should have been drafted higher I think Joe Burrow will probably win five games this year but still win offensive rookie yeah. of the year and maybe it has to do a little bit because his name is Joe Burrow and, the and that he's the number one yeah, pick <laughs> the number one pick because we saw what Kyler Murray did mm-hmm. he was the number one pick he didn't win a lot in Arizona but he still won that Rookie of the year, so it's probably going to be the same thing happening this year. I think Burrow wins offensive. Chase Young probably wins defensive, but I will say as a sleeper pick in terms of defensive player of the year, pick number 28 to Baltimore, Patrick Queen, another LSU guy, linebacker from the SEC. Pick number 28, I think he's a guy that fits pretty well into what I've seen. And for Lamar Jackson to call him, Ray Lewis Jr. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if I like that comparison just because it's the same team. But Patrick Queen was a guy that slid really far, and I think if if he was at pick number 32, the Chiefs probably would have tried to jump in there and nab him potentially. But Patrick Queen, he's one of my sleeper guys for defensive rookie of the year. Chase Young's probably going to be the the favorite to win it yeah. at the beginning of the year. Him um, and Jeff Akuda are probably going to be one and two in the the odds. I think yeah, and so. I think Isaiah Simmons is probably going to be another guy to keep an eye on he yeah. might not be one or two but he'll 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 definitely be in the top three i would think for defensive rookie of the there's year, a lot of good defenders you could there is because you know we've mentioned earlier caleb on chason there's also javon javon kinlaw and Derek brown Derek from auburn brown. so there's a lot of guys you could go here but i mean with with him being the number two pick uh that adds a little bit more. So if Chase Young does anywhere like as near as good as people think he will be, he'll probably win it. There's definitely potential. We got a whole year to find that out. That's going to do it for us here on Day to Day Picks for the final time this semester, and for the final time for me, Andrew Botwinick, alongside Sam Steinmeier and Brady Archer in spirit. That's going to do it for us for this semester on Day to Day Picks. 